Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the composer for Luca, Dan Romer. Well, Dan, thanks so much for taking time to talk with me about your score for Luca. Excited to dive in. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. So what better way to open an interview than by reading one of your tweets to you? Uh, <laughs> I, wait, can I get, I want to guess what it is. Yes, I'm sure that it's not that hard. Is it, I really like fluctuating? <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yes. So, so you tweeted just for, for those playing along at home. You tweeted just a couple weeks ago. I really, in all caps, I really like plucked strings. It's true. That's the tweet. So I just, man, you you put that out in the world. Obviously, I put we it- can we can tell from your from your work that you do indeed like plucked strings. What is it? What is it about plucked strings? Why are those such an integral part of your musical style? So Daniel, I, I just wanted to make sure that people really knew, you know. Just in case anyone was like, well, I don't know if he likes them. I wanted to be like, I like them. Um, yeah, that was that was like that was one of my all-time dumbest tweets, and I was like <laughs> really proud of it. And I, I I remember I actually texted a friend after writing that, and I was like, is this dumb? Should I not? And he's like, no, no, it's great. You're great. Um, yeah, I mean, so where this comes from is that uh, it's really, this really com- comes from me uh, comes from uh, me and Ben Zeitlin the Beast of the Southern Wild director and my co-composer in that movie. Because um, Ben and I both came up listening to rock music. Um, ben was in like a, a like a grunge band when he was in high school. I was in like um, what we called indie rock bands, but you know, it's like we were just rock bands that weren't signed because we were 16. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, we were both like, for both of us, there's a very specific thing that's in our musical vocabulary that doesn't so much exist necessarily in classical music, which is uh, the palm-muted guitar. Uh, in rock music, this is just standard old hat stuff. When you're doing a verse, I mean, this is obviously the thing about pop music is you can do anything you want to do. And when I say pop music, I just mean music that people listen to. I don't mean necessarily top 40 music. I mean, you know, when I say pop music, I mean, I do mean, you know, Katy Perry. I do mean uh, 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 Doja Cat. I, I, I do mean uh, uh, Britney Spears. Uh, but I also mean Tom Waits. I also mean Louis Armstrong. I also mean the Flaming Lips. I also mean Joanna Newsom. You know, like um, just music for people, um, music for humans, norm, for normal human listeners. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, um, sorry, I got sidetracked with that whole pop explanation. 
Um, so, you know, it's very common as in, in rock music, especially in like the 90s, uh, early 2000s, to like have a, have a, uh, 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 see Foo Fighters Monkey Wrench, for example, where you have like a uh, palm muted verse, and then you get to the chorus, it's like, so that envelope, when I say envelope, I mean um, the way a sound uh, expresses itself temporally in time. So when I, so the envelope or envelope of a pizzicato string is boom, like that. Uh, if you play a string with a bow, it's like uh, for as long as you want it. Uh, with a guitar, if you strum full out, it's like that. But the envelope for a palm guitar is junk. So that's a really, really useful timbre that Ben and I, in our lives, we're just used to having access to. So when we started scoring films together, we were like, we don't really want to use guitar because it like makes it. And and look, and you know, we're gonna get back to this because I used a ton of guitar on Luca. Um, but, you know, using, for us at that moment, using a guitar felt a little bit like we were singer-songwriters at a coffee shop trying to make a film score. And we wanted to really, for our stuff, and, and we did use guitar, actually, in, in Death, to our Tin, Death of the Tin Man, our first short we ever did together. But that was sort of going like a folky, like, Appalachian kind of place. So for his two shorts that we, for his two movies that we then did, Glory at Sea and The Beast of the Southern Wild, we really wanted to stay away from a guitar sound, like a real guitar sound. Um, so uh, we ended up, <clears throat> as our replacement for palm muted guitars, we ended up using pizzicato strings. <clears throat> and like, I think it's a very standard thing to use pizzicato strings for comedy. And that's something that I really try to stay away from. Um, I love pizzicato. And when I say plucked, pizzicato and plucked are the same thing. Pizzicato means plucked. Um, when I use, uh, when I, when I, when I do comedy cues, I really try to stay away from pizzicato strings. Cause like for me, and I'm not saying for anyone else, it's not cool. For me, I feel like the pizzicato thing doesn't feel right doing comedy. It feels a little bit stale to me. And I like pizzicato as an emotional or a, um, pro a momentum creating force. That's great. Uh, and and I, I really like that distinction between using it for comedy, the, the comedy style score, but kind of adopting it for what you're kind of have, have made the name for yourself in these adventurous sort of sort of scores, which brings us back to Luca. This is your first animation score. Uh, you, you've, you've scored a number of projects, of course, but this is your first one in animation. Did that change anything uh, about your style at all or, or your approach to the film? Oh, the fact that it was animation? Did yes. Um, yeah, I mean, not in terms of like, oh, I've got to do this now because it's animation, you know. I mean, everyone was very clear when we were talking about this, you know, this should be scored, at, you know, as a film, the way you understand filmmaking, the way you, Dan Romer, understand how to score things. We don't want you saying, oh, I'll give you an animated version of Dan Romer, that we want what you do on this film. And I will say that, you know, there is more changing happening. Uh, you know, cues don't get to hang around quite as long as usual on uh, as maybe some other things I do. But I mean, there are things that I work on that change that fast that aren't animation. You know, um, especially some TV shows. You know, um, so. But then you know, there's there then there's scores like you know, um, like uh, like Maniac uh, or like Beast of No Nation or or Zoe, where a cue will stick around for like five, six minutes and, and change very subtly in order to highlight what's going on as to not over, not to overdo it. Yeah. 
Uh, when you approached, when you first got on to Luca, can you tell me about some of the direction that Enrico gave you? What was what was kind of the starting point for you to to get working on music? Yeah. Um, well, so he showed. So they they showed me a um, like a storyboarded version of the film, and storyboards are you know um, kind of rough sketches of the action, so we can tell what's going on. So I watched a version with that, and they had a lot of my music in there that they edited to, which was really lovely. Um, and um, so I watched that, and then we kind of talked about what the themes should be, and then I started writing themes. And Enrico really loved the themes, but he did say, like, I would like everything to sound a little more Italian. And then so there was a bit of a back and forth of, like, all right, like, I'm, you know, I did a deep dive into a lot of Italian film score music, a lot of Italian pop music from the 60s, because it takes place somewhere, like, in around that area of time. Uh, it's never explicitly said. Um, and then I came back with, like, a much more Italian sound. And then Enrico was like, ah, you know, this is, you know, I, I appreciate this, but, uh, you know, I want this to sound more like you and less Italian. You know, I don't want you to be doing like a pastiche of Italian music. So then I pulled back um, and kind of hit sort of a middle path between, you know, cause my first version, I was trying things with like using like um, crunching leaves as percussion um, and like kind of more experimental techniques that had to do with the world around. Cause the, you know, a lot of the idea early on was like, all right, well, if there's gonna be the water world and then the, 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 the world above, like how can we make them um, Tamberly different. Uh, what, how can we make them um, the different instruments? Uh, you know, have different sounds for the two areas. And you know, one of the ideas, like, well, there's like leaves blowing up. Let's like get these leaves. And so it kind of was like, okay, let's not get so experimental in that, in that, like, so away from traditional film score. But let's not get so old school Italian. Let's sort of meet in this middle place where it's like I'm doing my kind of music that comes from my heart. Um, but doing it with sort of an Italian spin. Leaves as percussion, that's fascinating. Did, did any of that make it in, or was that too experimental and you, you threw it away? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that ended up on the cutting room floor that didn't, didn't work, but the whistling was something that was there very early on that, that stayed. Yeah, that works really well. I, I've heard you say in other interviews that that, that was a, an Italian friend of yours. Uh, is that a coincidence, or is that, uh, was that part of your, your process of like research or whatever? Well, I don't know if I would have attempted a whistle without knowing that Josue uh, uh, was the best whistler I've ever met in my life. I mean, we would have whistling competitions at our old studio when we were allowed to be around each other in person, um, where, like, it was funny because Josue is just, like, the most incredible whistler. So we would all go around the circle, and then when we got to him, he'd just be like, I can't whistle like him, but he'd do somewhere over the rainbow in this, like, and it was, like, heartbreaking, like, vibrato, dynamics, just, like, gorgeous version of this and we're like all oh, other version tears and it's like this guy can whistle um so yeah and and just uh, uh his name is just greco and he was also helping me along with like he was he also made me a playlist of music to listen to from uh, music from back home and we he's he's not just an italian friend um we've been making music together for the last five years good clarity yeah thank you for that ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. I think that was good enough. I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. What were some of those uh, Italian elements when you, when you went a little too far into making it sound Italian and had to scale it back? What were some of the musical elements that that sounded so Italian? You know, it had to do more with the harmony and melody and sort of, um, I mean, you know, without getting too far into like musicology and how different like musics of, you know, for lack of a better word, infect each other. You know, I mean, the, you know, the way that music works is what, there, there's no countries with music, really. It's all just what's, if there's, if, if, if you have a country on the border of another country, those two countries on the borders are going to have mus- musical things in common. You know, and so there is, oh, I really don't want to say the wrong thing here. Um, but there, you know, there's, there's, there is a harmony that I think there's a harmonic, um, trope that I think is shared with French music and jazz, um, where you'll have, um, a melody that sort of repeats at different moments in a scale. So like, da, 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 like that kind of a thing where it's like the same melody but repeating in different spots. And you hear that a lot. I've heard, I've, I've heard that. I don't want to make je- sweeping statements about culture, different cultures' musics, but I heard that a lot in, in, in certain Italian film score stuff. And, you know, and that was not the vibe of um, these long melodies that repeat in different spots was not our vibe for, melodically for this movie. It ended up being more short little bursts of melody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some some of those big themes that really I, I come away like stuck in my head from Luca uh, are like moments in like Take Me Gravity, just the the big sweeping orchestral moments. Where do you kind of start with some of those the 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 kind of key themes for the film? Well, I was for for like the key themes. I was just thinking about the different characters' personalities and their journeys and who they are, mostly who they are. And just thinking about what kind of melodies would really represent them the best. You know, um, for Luca, let me see if I have something in tune. Hold on. That'll do. For Luca, uh, we have this big jump in it. It's like. Sorry, my 
great shape right now. Um, but so we have all these big jumps there. Um, and I think that's very important for Luca where he's sort of like reaching to the outside world. Whereas Alberto's melody uh, is this kind of rousing. Which is meant to be very like fist pumpy and like, let's go, let's go. Whereas Julia's melody is sort of more of a more of an Italian melody. Uh, it's like da 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 And I felt because she was more of a legit Italian and kind of more in that world, I felt like she deserved more of that kind of a melody. That's so good. I've I've seen you say in other interviews that you you talk about placing limitations. Uh, on yourselves in in projects. And for Luca, you said there no synthetic elements was a limitation that you placed on yourself. Can you talk uh, more about that? It w- was was every single element captured live at, at some point? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, of, of course, when you're making stuff, there's always little ways that you have to figure out how to get the sounds exactly the way you want them. But yeah, there's no um, there's no sounds that are just like. Um, you know, timbres that just come from like a plug-in where you're just like plug and plug and play sort of. And there's no, uh, I, that's probably something that no one understands who's not a composer. I, um, there, you know, it's not like there's a there's a there's software where I'm like pressing a key and it makes like a a, a big drone, you know, a big sound. Um, there's no synthesizers. Um, it's all essentially things that were recorded in a room with microphones, um, more or less. It's a thin, thin line of what, what that means sometimes. How do you think that placing that limitation on yourself challenged you on this project? Well, I'll tell you, like, there are certain old standbys I have, like old, you know, I don't want to say tricks, but like there's some like things that I do to create certain sounds where I'm like that are in the synthetic world um, where I'm like, I know I can do this thing and it will immediately, you know, I mean, one of the big ones is is the Mellotron. Um, that's been a huge part of my my music for a very long time. From and, and and that stretched from when I was doing almost only producing pop music over to film scoring. Where a Mellotron is essentially the first sampler. Um, it's a uh, it's a keyboard instrument uh, that was I not sure if it's technically invented in the 50s or the 60s. I think some people would argue that the Chamberlain, um, which came right before it, I believe, was in the 50s, and that's essentially actually the first sampler, and that's what we're talking about. But um, it was a little keyboard that had tape loops inside of each key, and when you would press the ta- the key, it would trigger the tape loop to play. So if there was a flute Mellotron, uh, you would put a flute tape bank inside of the Mellotron, you press it, and it's like, plays the flute sound, and then you go... A key high, uh, you know, uh, one key up, and it's like, it's the same flute player just sitting there, but it's only eight seconds of each key, because that's how long the player played each note on, on just across the board. That's how long the tape loops are. Um, and so you, the, most uh, commonly, someone would recognize this sound from the sound uh, from the song "Strawberry Fields." That that introduction flute, the that's a Mellotron flute. Um, so I do a lot of stuff with Mellotrons where I'll, I'll play a Mellotron and then I'll put like a ton of different effects on it to make it sound kind of expansive and, uh, you know, sort of, um, 
you know, otherworldly. And I, you know, so there's, I couldn't use any, any tricks like that. Any of my, those kinds of sounds had to come from a, a lot of those kinds of timbres when I needed, a lot of those kinds of sounds when I needed to get them came from accordions, came from violins, came from flutes, that kind of stuff. Well, you, you've uh, kind of made this name for yourself in a lot of coming of age projects. You've of course scored many other types of projects. I don't want to put, put you in a box here, but what do you think it is about your style that, that works so well for these adventurous, uh, kind of loving life sorts of stories? Um, that's, that's, no one's ever asked that before. That's a hard, that's a good question. And I'm like thinking about it myself. I'm actually like <laughs> kind of about to cry, honestly, thinking about it. I, I'm sorry if I, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's something about the emotion of, of, of getting older that I really, you know, fear and relate to. And I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I uh, those stories, I, I, I just really emotionally relate to, I think. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, uh, sorry about this. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the vulnerability. Uh, I hope those are, I hope those are good tears. Uh, no, they're uh, laughing tears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, uh, just as validation, I mean, those, those, uh, you really do have this way of capturing the feeling of youthful energy. Uh, and, and it really just, Luca is my favorite film score of the year, uh, because it just captures, just the joy of life so well. Um, so just uh, no question attached to that, just uh, as validating uh, your work. It's, it's really brilliant. I'm really grateful for it. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much that means. That's, that's so incredible to hear, you know, and, and, and I, really love, I really loved making that music and I, and I really hope that people, that people uh, enjoy it as much as possible. Well, before I let you go, we are towards the end of the year here. I, I, I'm just always curious what professionals in the film world, what other things you admire. So I, I, I'm curious, uh, are there other film scores from this year that have stood out to you that you're, you're just a, a fan of? Um, I feel really embarrassed about this, but I kind of went back and just, I, I, I've been watching a lot of Twin Peaks this year. Again, again, yeah, man, that music is is just so incredible. I found myself this year, for whatever reason, instead of watching a ton of new stuff, kind of going back, kind of going back to a lot of older stuff. I mean, you know, I've been listening to, uh, um, yeah, I mean, man, that first season of that the, the the music in the first season of Twin Peaks is just unbe unbeatable. You know, so you know, I mean, I'm sure you can hear a lot of melodic influence between you know, between Bartolomenti's music and, 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 and my melodic sense. I mean, I, you know, that score is just, and it's really amazing. Like you, like that, they use that, you know, oh, I mean, I could talk all day about why that score is amazing, but like they just use that Laura Palmer's theme unedited again and again and again. And you always love it and you always want it and you're always into it. And that piece of music starts off Dark with the da na da na na, 
or does it? I can't remember. I think it does start that way. But then it grows in this big emotional thing and then goes back to that dark thing, that dark brooding thing. And the scenes always seem to be either written, written and or edited to the idea of it starting dark, getting big and emotional, and then going dark again at the end. And it's just amazing. It feels like the show is like written to work with that piece of music. You know, well, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. I feel like it's been a, it's been a long time since I've watched Twin Peaks. To be fair, but I do feel like music did a lot of heavy lifting in the show, really setting the tone for a lot of those scenes. Because, like you said, it just followed that the path of the music a lot. Yeah, it's incredible work. Yeah, awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, going over your tweets with me, and uh, I, I apologize for for making you cry. <laughs> You weren't the first, you won't be the last. Awesome, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. All right, bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the composer for Luca, Dan Romer, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Luca is currently available to stream on Disney Plus and has been shortlisted as one of the films eligible this year for Best Animated Feature at the 94th Academy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.